There are two Bible readings this morning. The first from Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. The second Bible reading comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and and in his mighty power. Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the arm of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to be here again and with the backdrop of these wonderful blue and gold colours. Maybe, hopefully, after. I was there in 86. It's been a long time, but anyway, I'll get there. As we uh, come to look at God's word this morning, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to our hearts, to our minds and to our souls. And we pray that you will guide us and lead us in all truth this morning through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, We come to our uh, seventh uh, look and study of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, And today it is lead us not into temptation. Uh, We remember from last week uh, that we looked at uh, forgive us our sins or our debts. uh, And the request was that sins already committed may be forgiven. But here we have a plea to be delivered from falling into new sins. It's the only negative uh, petition lead us not into temptation. It's a prayer that's primarily for protection. It accepts the dangers of temptation and it acknowledges our deficiency at times in dealing with it. So it asks 
for deliverance from it. But first we need to establish what does lead us into, uh, into temptation? What does that mean and what it doesn't mean? Firstly, it can never mean that God is the prime mover behind all temptations. Nor can it mean that Christians can simply pray this prayer and be delivered from all temptation. God does not lead us into a life that is free from temptation. Rather, he teaches us how to look to him for the necessary strength with which to deal with those temptations and how to deal with them appropriately. So the key to understanding this phrase and what it means is to understand, well, what is this word temptation? <clears throat> if you do a word study, uh, you'll find the semantic range uh, has several meanings. It can mean to tempt with the goal of causing one to sin, or it can also mean a test or a trial. And the equivalent uh, Hebrew word in the Old Testament, that was its frequent meaning, a place of testing or a place of trial. It is there to prove the validity of one's faith. Obviously, God never tempts anyone with the goal of causing them to sin. James 1.13 tells us, let no one say he was tempted, sorry, let no one say when he was tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot uh, be tempted by evil, nor he himself tempt anyone. God never tempts anyone to evil, but he does test us. James already explained earlier in the same passage, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Others have already faced the same temptations we encounter. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians, he said, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. We all experience temptations. Paul also explains that God places limits on the tests that we face. He says, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able and with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. These are the things that the word temptations means. And so we must realise that temptations will come our way. Trials, tests will come our way. For we must remember that we are in a spiritual war. And we cannot be victorious over that which we don't understand. Being ignorant of the fact that there is a great spiritual battle which is raging all around us. It's being fought in our world. And it doesn't erase the fact that this is true. 
Many people want to dismiss this spiritual war. Many people want to say, oh, angels, the devil, demons, it doesn't exist, but it does. Folks, we are in a spiritual war. And as the kids talk, uh, plainly uh, told us that we need spiritual armour, spiritual weapons. Temptation is not to be fought by human willpower because our human willpower will fail. The way to resist temptation is to lean heavily upon God and God's grace. We need to be strengthened by his love and understand the mercy and forgiveness and grace in which we stand. It is to strengthen us and to enable us to stand against the wiles of the devil. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in human flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And it then lists those things. The Apostle John says that the world is a trap that is made up of three things. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. And so we see these three things, which are there to drag us down those three things which we all need to battle. There is the lust of the flesh. That means the desires of our body, the desires of the flesh, the things that we want, that we think will make our life better. Then there is the lust of the eyes, desiring things that are not ours. These in this world in which we live. It's interesting, uh, coming down this morning, there was a song, what about me? It isn't fair, I've had enough. What about me? What about my turn? Where's my pleasure? Where is those things that I see others having? Where's my bit? Then there is the pride of life, which involves putting ourselves on the throne where we think we are mighty, we are powerful. There is, those are the three things that present themselves before us. And here is the progression of temptation. Firstly, there is the false impression given by Satan that whatever wrong we're contemplating 
isn't really that bad. Oh, it's only a little thing. That's not that bad. I can get away with it. Temptation then presents a picture of some action that in some way appeals to our inner needs. I need this. I want this. Satan makes us see something or someone or some situation which he sure will appeal to our lives. And then that desire, that temptation is actively aroused. James 1, 3, 13 to 14 says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. We are tempted. The language here is a language of fishing, and I love fishing. And sometimes I just get on a boat or beside a dock, put a prawn on a hook and throw it in and hope for the best. But at other times, when I'm targeting a specific uh, species, especially blackfish, you have to throw the bait out. You have to lure the fish. You've got to drag them out of their hole. You've got to get them to rise to the bait. We are tempted. We are tempted like that. Something attractive is before us. And then we begin to toy with the idea, to play with it. We fantasize about it. And at this point, we've already begun to fall for the ruse. We then proceed to act on what is presented before us. We take the bait. We sin. But then there is the moment that we are dismayed, disgusted by our own defeat. And the last part is that we try and hide our sin. We can't become so ashamed. We don't want anyone to know. We try and conceal this matter from God and from others. This is when we are defeated. Friends, we need to know these things. The Bible tells us time and time again, be alert, be aware of where you're going and what you're doing. Look out for these temptations, these beautiful things that come our way. And so we need, we need something more than, than us. We need to acknowledge our deficiency in dealing with these trials and temptations. We need to remember that everyone is vulnerable to temptation. No one is above falling. No matter how old you are or how mature you are in faith. Different temptations come to us. The things that I was tempted with when I was a youth no longer apply. I've overcome them. But there are different temptations. And I find as I get older and older, one of my biggest temptations is laziness. 
when that buzzer goes off at quarter to six every morning, I go, oh, I really don't want to do this. I'd rather stay in bed. Temptations of lethargy. Oh, I've been here before. I really can't be bothered. There are different temptations that come to us at different stages in life. And although the strength of certain temptations may diminish, we are never free from being tempted as long as we live. There are temptations that might tempt me that won't tempt you, but there are things that tempt you that won't tempt me. There are all sorts. And there is a story that I believe perfectly illustrates this principle. History records the fate of two men who were condemned to death at the stake during the days of Queen Mary. One of them boasted very loudly to his companions of his confidence that he would stand firm at the stake. He didn't mind the suffering. He was so grounded in the gospel that he knew he would never deny it. He said that he longed for that fateful morning even as a bride for the wedding. His companion in prison in the same chamber was a poor trembling soul who could not and would not deny his master. But he told his companions that he was very afraid of the fire. He said that he'd always been very sensitive to suffering, that he was in a great deal of dread, that he began to cry. Contemplating the, the burning and the pain may cause him to deny the truth. And he talked to his friend to pray for him and spent his time very much weeping over his weakness and in crying to God for strength. The other continually rebuked him and chided him for being so unbelieving and weak. The morning came and they were both come to the stake. He who said so bold when he saw the fire recanted and went back to an apostate's life while the poor trembling man whose prayer had been lead me not in temptation stood firm as a rock praising and magnifying God as he burnt to a cinder. We all have different temptations. But we need to ask for deliverance. We need to know how to pray for spiritual protection for ourselves. The Apostle Paul was, this is a powerful illustration, in the danger of trying to stand against temptation by his own. For Jesus at the Last Supper taught his disciples that the greatness was found through service. And right in the middle of this discourse, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, that you may strengthen the brethren. But Peter objected, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. 
Jesus' response was, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you do not know me. So much for victory in his own strength. And Luke goes on to tell us that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray prior to his arrest. When he arrived, Jesus said to his disciples, when he came to that place, he said, pray that you will not enter into temptation. He went a little further and knelt down to pray. He prayed for strength to be able to withstand the suffering that the cross would bring. Returning to his disciples, he found them asleep. He awakened them and said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Jesus told his disciples their prayers would play a part on how well they are able to face testing. You see, when we pray this Lord's Prayer, we pray for protection against trials and temptations. And we are agreeing with Jesus I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. We are not a part of the world, but we're in the world. We live in this world full of temptations. We need to acknowledge that we can't do it in our own strength. And that's the amazing thing about this prayer. Because the act of praying itself is part of the answer. If we ask God, lead us not into temptation, we're saying to God, not in my strength, but in yours. All prayer is a submission to the sovereign will of God. And in praying this prayer, it helps us to trust in him. For this is an act of trust. When we talk to God, if we believe, we trust in him, we ask him for daily bread, we ask him for forgiveness, we ask him for the strength to be delivered from these things. When we're tempted, when we cry out, what about me? These trials that come into our life, the difficulties, God is there for you. God is good. I'll leave you with Romans 8, verse 34 to 39. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or the sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. And friends, I'm going to leave you. And hopefully when you're tested, when your trials in this week, you can remember verse 37 to 38. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. This is a powerful promise. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation. Let us remember these things. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know life at times can be tough, especially when we're hurting, we're in pain, when we feel far away from you and that the things of the world come crashing in upon us. We thank you that you love us. When we're tempted to do things in our own strength, in our own power, when we're tempted and deceived by the things of this world and the schemes of the evil one, may these words come back to us, knowing that you love us, that you're longing for us to be able to put ourselves in your hands. We pray that you will lead us and guide us in the week ahead. Be our constant source of joy and our source of strength that we may understand that you love us more and more. Amen.